This podcast is brought to you by Uconnect, the creator of the first all-in-one virtual career center. Scale your impact and engage more students with a platform that puts all of your career resources in one place. Hey friends, welcome back to the Career Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Metzger, and this week I'm excited to welcome Monica Clem, the Vice President of the National Career Center for Teach for America. She is also a former career services leader at Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania, which is now part of Penn West. In this episode, I talk with Monica about how Teach for America supports their alumni. Monica talks about how they use technology to engage alumni, what resources they offer and why, how higher ed career teams can adapt to TFA strategies, why supporting alumni is so important, and more. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for being here, Monica. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, likewise. I'm excited to have you. And I'm really looking forward to talking with you today about, you know, what your team is doing there at Teach for America and how you all are supporting and engaging alumni, which I know is top of mind for a lot of folks in our audience. But uh, before I get into my questions, Monica, is there anything else you would like to add about yourself, your background or your role at Teach for America? Uh, Not a whole lot other than, you know, I've been working in career development in some capacity for over 10 years, Uh, worked in higher ed for about 12 years and joined TFA about two years ago. So I'm really excited to talk more about what we do and some of the similarities and differences. And yeah, I'm just excited to dig in. Great. Awesome. Well, I am excited to dig in as well. Um, I do want to kick us off with uh, a question I ask at the beginning of uh, every episode, And that's, what does career everywhere mean to you? Sure. To me, career everywhere means in, particularly in an institutional or an organizational context, but really even beyond that, it means that for everyone that is moving through a system that at every critical point, there is some sort of element that reminds them or makes a career development accessible to them. So for me, particularly in a higher ed context, It really means that career education, career development, just conceptually, the idea of career development is just part of the entirety of that experience and that that's done, you know, with intentionality, but feels very natural in an organizational context. It can take on a lot of different meanings, but again, very similar, but it really becomes unavoidable and just a natural part of the experience, but of course is designed with intentionality. I love that. It's all about the integration. Makes it less intimidating too. Yes. When it's not like the one thing you have to do Mm -hmm. at the end of your experience at Teach for America or your senior year of college when it's just built in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now I would love to kind of move into our topic today. So to start us off, can you just tell me a little bit about Teach for America and then how your work in the Career Center there compares to career services in higher ed? Yeah, yeah, of course. So Teach for America, also TFA, we're really a diverse network of leaders. And so what we do as an organization and as a network is really confront educational inequity. We do this by teaching. Our core teaches for at least two years. And then we work with really an unwavering commitment from every sector of our society just to hopefully create a nation free from this injustice. We often talk about one day, which is the idea that one day all children will be able to access an equitable education and a high quality education. So once our teachers, our core members, as you heard me mention the core, 
complete their two-year commitment, they join a network of over 60,000 alumni. So how you become an alum of TFA is completing that two-year teaching commitment. So once you become an alum, uh, you go often go on to continue to lead and continue to confront educational inequity in a variety of sectors. Um, and so really, it's about that mission alignment. One of the many benefits of joining TFA is really becoming part of this incredible community and also having access to career and talent support for the remainder of your career. And so the Career Center that I lead works to create a baseline of career development supports that are available to all of our alumni across the network, and then also provide some more dedicated talent services to our alumni who are in very mission-aligned careers of, of impact. So these would be fields like school and systems leadership, as well as policy and advocacy. So our work is similar to higher ed career services in that we are trying to serve a really wide constituency base with a set of baseline resources and career supports. And so that's similar. And of course, that's my background. And then it's also different because we want to offer more hands-on talent services focused work. And our population is really diverse and inclusive of very senior level professionals and executives. So uh, we're not only focused on recent college graduates, we're working with, I would say, a broader audience. Okay. So I didn't realize that. I guess I was thinking it was largely recent grads that went into Teach for America. It sounds like it's a wide variety of professionals there. Yeah, we recruit both recent grads and uh, working professionals. And in any given year, anywhere to 30, from 30 to 40% of our core is actually made up of working professionals. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And I imagine add some additional like challenges when it comes to supporting such a broad mm -hmm. population. Absolutely. So kind of on that note, you mentioned that you support over 60,000 alumni. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about supporting so many and what do you do to engage them? Yeah. Well, of course, this is one of our biggest challenges. So our footprint is nationwide. Uh, and as I mentioned, we serve a very diverse audience. So we have to have a really wide view of the career and talent lands landscape to make sure, you know, we're designing resources and initiatives that add real value. So one important thing to know about TFA and how we're structured is that we have over 50 regionally based teams in addition to our national enterprise team. So what that means is that we have a lot of localized strategies that help us reach our mission and our goals. And that's really important because for us, being equitable in our approach means involving local communities and those who are mostly directly impacted by education and equity in the solution making process. So what that means for the career work is that there are many regionally based initiatives that support alumni in their career development in ways that make a tremendous impact locally in ways that make sense um, there. And then we also have to create a baseline experience that's consistent at the enterprise level that all alumni can access, including those who relocate or who reside outside of a regional footprint and so on. So we really approach our design process with that lens understanding where we can add the most value in that baseline sort of ubiquitous range of services, and also wanting to lift up and highlight as well as plug into some of the localized resources. So I would say that is where our Uconnect platform comes in, <laughs> because it has really enabled us to make tremendous strides in making our baseline resources accessible to the entirety of our network. 
and also giving us a vehicle to build some of that contextualized hyper-local content and resources that highlight those regional resources. So prior to adopting the platform, which is our alumni hub, we really didn't have a, a good vehicle or a way to do that. Yeah, I imagine it's helpful to kind of utilize technology to reach all of those alumni Mm -hmm. all over the country. And then do you have like communities there on the alumni hub that are for those specific regions? Yeah. So the way we approached our hub, as you might imagine, being a national organization uh, with such a wide footprint and so many perspectives, you can imagine that we wanted to build our platform in a way that really inclusive of that full range of perspective. So the way we approached it was to really launch in phases. Our phase one, which was our MVP or our minimum viable product, was really that first sort of version of our hub, which included some of our, it was more baseline resource focused. So really focused on, you know, the National Job Board and our fellowships all across our footprint and some of those resources that would be considered baseline. During phase two, we really took a very intentional approach to working with some of our user experience experts internally, as well as our partners with Uconnect, and also bringing in several professionals working in those regional locations to help us understand how we could evolve the platform in that next iteration to be inclusive of regional communities. And so we do have right now, if you go to our hub, you'll see our regional and relocation resources where we were able to launch a regional directory and have a lot of those resources available. As we move into phase three, we've had our platform for about six months. So our phase three is kicking off here in a couple months. We're actually going to begin the process of building a community page for each and every region across our network. And so we will be adding an additional close to 50 regional pages that will be highly contextualized. Wow. Yeah. So we're really excited. It's a big project, but it's really going to expand the value of our platform. Wow. That's incredible. I'm so excited to see all of those community pages once they're built out. Yeah. I'm curious, what kind of content or resources are you putting on your alumni hub to reach both that national audience and then also the hyper local audience? Yeah, so I think some of what first comes to mind and some of the most popular resources are our fellowships and our leadership development programs and some of our graduate school partners. So we have some nationally available programs. For instance, my team works with a partner organization to offer a career design fellowship that anyone in our network can join And we also have so many localized fellowship programs that really meet the needs of the local community. For instance, several of our communities offer school leadership fellowships where, you know, the local alumni can be part of that community on their journey to becoming a school leader. So as you might imagine, if you're an alum, you (laughs) would want to be able to have an easy way to understand what all of those opportunities are, to filter them, to understand, you know, when do they open? What is the focus? And so we've been able to leverage the experience module of the platform to actually create a customized, if you go on our platform, you'll see us under fellowships and learning programs customized list of all of those programs so that people can really access that information much more easily without having to comb through a spreadsheet or something like that. That has proven to be one of our most popular resources among our audience. 
And then another popular resource is our graduate school partners. So we partner with graduate programs all across the country who offer our alumni incentives like tuition discounts or deferred admission, application fee waivers, and so on. And they do that because of the recognition of the talent and the caliber of our core and our alumni network. And so, again, that was another way for us to leverage. I think in that case, we used the organizations module. And we were actually able to create a list of those graduate programs so that every program has a dedicated page. We were able to brand those pages, include the relevant contact information, and again, add those filters. So those are two of the really early success stories, I would say, some of the content that's been really popular. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I love that the response has been so positive to Mm -hmm. both of those things so far, especially all the jobs and all of that information. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Cool. So Monica, having worked in higher ed career services, how do you think higher ed career teams can adapt some of the strategies that you're using there at TFA? Well, you know, I think that one area where higher education career services is potentially expanding and trying to add more value is in that area of alumni engagement, right? And trying to identify ways to expand their services to their alumni networks. I know when I worked in higher ed career services, that was always such a challenge, right? Because, you know, higher ed colleges and universities have huge alumni bases. And so there's often a lot of challenges in figuring out, well, how do we offer, what is the right range of services to offer? And then how do we do that, right, with with our team and to meet those audiences as they diversify across sectors? We know that higher ed is evolving in ways that will hopefully bring alumni back to their institutions for some of that continuing education and professional development over the course of their lifetime. So I think career services could play a really significant role there in helping to support those efforts, forging those partnerships with employers, helping their institutional leaders understand shifts in the labor market and stay ahead of the curve, I think could be a tremendous opportunity. The other thing I would say is that I think there's really an untapped opportunity to consider building talent services into these types of initiatives. And I just want to say right off the bat, um, I know very deeply that most career services kind of recoil professionals in this space space at the term placement. I know I have in the past because it implies that, you know, you're taking this more active role in kind of like placing people in opportunities. And we know it doesn't necessarily work that way. But I also think it's true that as people continue to kind of question the return on investment of a college degree, institutions that really consider how they can play a more active role in matching students to career opportunities based on a variety of factors could really stand out in a crowded marketplace. And I think that there's ways to do it that are really mission aligned. You know, for example, Social justice is an area where there's a ton of interest. It's highly relevant among students, institutions of higher learning, and the job market. So thinking about how you could partner with organizations that are really mission aligned and help build talent pools more intentionally that are filled with those students that are most impacted by those issues, I think could be a way to really disrupt some of those inequities that college students face in that college to career transition and add real value to the institution and increase that idea of relevancy. Okay. In addition to that, what do you think are some of the resources or strategies or tactics that would be most beneficial for alumni that career services should consider? Yeah, I think 
being really focused on the needs of your audience is always really important when you're trying to provide a service or a resource of any kind. So one tactic that I would suggest is think about building personas based on the research and the data that you have about your alumni and really involving the people who are most directly impacted by the problems you're trying to solve, I think is critically important. So if you're serving students, really directly involving students in the solution making and really understanding the personas of your students. I think the same is true for alumni. For example, when I came into this role at TFA, we had a lot of evidence that our alumni base wanted career support, but we didn't necessarily know what career support meant to them, right? So getting really clear on that required us to really tap into our network and ask them. And we learned a lot from those efforts and being able to disaggregate that data across lines of identity was really important. We learned that our BIPOC alumni, for example, wanted some different things from us, right? And, and from their network. And so I think career services, they have the field, our field has a set of best practices and norms that are largely accepted. So challenging those practices, and if you're gonna expand into the alumni arena, by really getting deeply in touch with those people that you wanna serve and being really curious about what career support really means to them, and then building those personas can probably really help if that's a direction where you wanna evolve. Okay, I'm curious, what did you all find out? Like what does career support mean to the TFA alumni? Yeah, I mean, perhaps this is unsurprising, um, but what we found was that, well, some of it was surprising, some of it a little less so. So talent matching was absolutely among one of the top things that our alumni wanted, right? Because as people evolve in their careers and they are more solidified on a path, it, when they're going to engage in career development is typically when they want to advance in their career. So there's typically periods in their time where maybe they're doing some exploration, but it's not going to be the same kind of exploration that they did when they were in college. So that's one thing I think that's really important. Another thing that we learned when we categorized out, like we had a, a variety of things that they wanted. And when we tried to categorize those, it was really a mix of really quick, kind of quick hit, highly generalized, very easy to access resources. So that kind of like on demand, I want to grab a PDF or I want to click a link. And if that was the case, it needed to be pretty general. And then the other category was very high touch, very personalized, again, like more of that talent matching. And so it really helped us think more about what is the range of sort of baseline resources that are more on demand that people can kind of grab and go. And then what is the right balance of that proportionally to more of this hands-on, more high touch approach to working with alumni. And we're still building out, you know, what that looks like proportionally. But that was really insightful because I think it helped us really, in some ways it was affirming for some of the things we were building, but it also helped us really deprioritize things that we were going to think about that turned out weren't as important. Things like we were looking at potentially like some group career coaching sessions. We were looking at video content turned out to be not something people wanted as much. So all that to say, uh, those were some of the things we learned. I'm curious, what are some of those like baseline grab and go type of resources that you offer? 
Yeah, so in some ways they're similar, right, to uh, what a college or university would offer. We have a resume guide. Our resume guide is very specialized, right, and it addresses some really specific questions that we surfaced through our data efforts. Like one of the things we saw was our alumni were telling us that they wanted more information on how to translate their experience in the classroom to a variety of fields that were still directly impactful in education, but were a little bit different than teaching. So that was an area where we focused. And we also saw that there was a lot of curiosity around what is the path, right? What's the path from being a teacher to becoming, for instance, a superintendent? And so we have already started to work on really bringing together data to map that out visually and create some of those resources as well. And then I would say other things like I mentioned, of course, that we have all these regional locations. And so people in our network move, they relocate. And so being able to provide a really easily easy to access document for each region telling you this is your contact, this is who you need to reach out to, things like that have proven to be really popular. And again, like our platform gives us the ability to put those out there. And another thing I'll, I'll add that has been really helpful for us is Having the ability to put a resource like a PDF on our platform has been really transformational because prior to our platform, we would typically send a Google Doc or we would send a link to something that was hosted somewhere. And then once those links are out there, they're out there, right? And so oftentimes we were finding people were reaching out to us and saying, hey, I have this link, but when I go to it, it looks like it hasn't been updated in a few years. And of course, like, that's not good for anyone. So being able to have us a link that we can actively go in and change and then direct people there has also been really important. So I kind of want to go back to what you were talking about, talking to your alumni, finding out what they want, what resources they need. How do you go about contacting them and getting that feedback? Yeah, so we're really fortunate uh, at TFA to have amazing researchers in our organization. And so we were able to partner with our research team to help direct some of those efforts. And I would say if this is something that you wanted to do um, in career services, definitely partnering with your alumni engagement or development team is important because they typically have really robust records that may or may not be part of sort of like your native data system. So that was one way. And then that was when we wanted sort of survey responses, right? You want, you have four or 500 responses to a survey. But we also tapped into smaller pools. For instance, our user experience team conducted some interviews with folks that were teaching in the classroom, but were interested in becoming teacher leaders. And so we would go into our data system, pull a report of people who were in the classroom that were perhaps on that path, and just email them or make phone calls to ask them if they wanted to participate in those interviews. But I would say another really great way to do it, and for us, it's reaching out to those, I mentioned, we have these local offices, we have staff who are living and working in their communities who really know their alumni. And so collaborating with them and not trying to do everything ourselves on our team, but actually reaching out to our colleagues who have those direct connections was so important and will continue to be really important for us going forward. I compare it to when you're in higher ed, working directly with faculty who have those connections. There's some, everyone that I think works in that field understands that that's really key to gaining access to students. So I would say it's very similar for us. So those are some of the tactics that we used. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 
Hey friend, if you're enjoying this podcast, I think you'd really like the Career Everywhere newsletter. Every Thursday, we'll hit your inbox with Career Everywhere related articles, videos, podcast episodes, and more. Our goal is to share best practices and strategies directly from the innovative career leaders implementing them every day. Join over 1,000 other career leaders and subscribe today at careereverywhere.com slash subscribe. Speaking from your experience there at Teach for America and then formerly in higher ed, why, in your opinion, is it so important to support and engage alumni? So I think I would speak about this both from the higher ed perspective and from the organizational perspective of folks, you know, outside of higher ed. I think in higher ed, you know, I alluded to this earlier, and I think there's a pretty wide recognition of this, that there are just fewer students to enter the higher ed pipeline. And college has become very challenging in terms of being affordable for a lot of people. And that has led to a lot of questions about the value of a college degree. And yet we know, those of us who work in this field, how valuable a college degree continues to be. And so I think one way to really address some of those concerns is to tap into your alumni network, not just for the purpose of mentoring or connectivity between students and alum, which of course is very important, but also for the purpose of engaging alumni with the resources that the institution can provide to advance them in their careers. Some institutions do this in a really formal way through executive education programs, continuing education programs. And it's also true that you can do it in ways that are not as formal, you know, inviting alum to uh, return to campus and to attend lectures, to identify what are some of the new skills on the market that your institution is positioned to offer, and really thinking about the value proposition to your alumni network beyond engagement, I think is really important because for a lot of institutions, there is going to be more of a lifelong model in order to stay relevant, where it's not just come into the institution, you know, for four years and then you're gone, that's your alma mater. But really thinking over the span of someone's lifetime, people are working longer than ever. And so thinking about how you can continue to be relevant to your alumni network and continue to add value to their career throughout their lifetime, of course, is easy to say. Um, but I think that is one way to to continue to engage them because it might be one of the top ways to continue to stay relevant as an institution. For organizations outside of, of higher ed, in some ways it's similar, you know, because the, we know that there's a lot of projections around a tightening labor force. We know that by 2030, we're going to see mass retirements of some of the largest generations in our, our, of working age people. And so really, I think a lot of organizations, when they think about long-term talent needs, are really tapping into some of their former employees. We call them boomerang employees, right? (laughs) And so really being intentional about when employees leave your organization, thinking about are they leaving on a somewhat good note? Like, is this someone that could be interested in coming back to us in the future? And then continuing to keep them engaged and, again, adding value by treating them as an alum is, I think, really critically important for organizations that have a long view of building a talent pipeline. I hadn't even thought about that angle of it with the whole boomerang employees thing. I mean, that's good feedback that career services leaders could give to employers that they work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And share some of those alumni engagement strategies. 
Absolutely. And I think there's ways to be really creative and innovative in this space, you know, in career centers, um, higher ed career centers, really thinking about how to partner with some of their key employer partners on engaging alum that have worked for that organization and graduated from that institution. I mean, there's, I think, ways to get really creative. And I think it's going to be really exciting over the next decade to see what evolves, because there's so many pockets of incredible innovation happening, uh, both in higher ed, in career services, and in organizations. And if you look at some large organizations, I know Deloitte does this, I know McKinsey does it, they actually have, they call their former employees alumni, and they have alumni resources on their websites. City Year does it. Of course, TFA does it. So this is not new. This is something that organizations have been doing for a while and I think will continue to do and need to continue to do over the coming years. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be necessary. Mm -hmm. As you were saying, as the labor force tightens up, as we have fewer college students graduating, kind of on the career services side, I imagine too that it's beneficial to engage alumni and to be able to prove that you engage alumni and provide support for them long after graduation, because that's a good differentiator. Mm -hmm. If someone's looking at your college and another college, they're probably going to choose the one that provides lifelong value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it goes beyond things like we think of some of the transactional ways that we could, that, you know, we often support alumni with, you know, resume reviews and things like that. And that's fine. But I think it's we really need to go beyond that, too, and think about network connectivity. For example, oftentimes some of the greatest value and some of the most powerful feedback we've had from our alum. You know, earlier I mentioned a program we run called the Career Design Fellowship in partnership with an organization called Mission Collaborative. And we get amazing data and feedback from that. And what we consistently see is that our alumni tell us that the power of connectivity, the power of connecting with other alumni, that they have this shared uh, experience, right, of having been through TFA, have, having this shared commitment, and just knowing that what they're experiencing in their career, right? We all experience moments of uncertainty. We all sometimes feel stuck. You know, we all sometimes feel unsure, especially with the pace of how work is changing. I know we're all now in this moment of AI and trying to figure out how is this going to affect us. So I think normalizing that by really facilitating connectivity in your network between individuals is so important. What we have found is that anywhere from 60 to 68% of our alum that engage in these sort of shared experiences say that they made a new connection in their alumni network that they're going to continue. And so, again, I think the role that you could play beyond being a direct service provider, but also just being a facilitator of connectivity is really uh, potentially really exciting. How would you recommend career services teams in higher ed approach that? Like, I assume it would be the partnership with the Alumni Association, as you mentioned, but mm -hmm. how can they be that facilitator of the connections? Yeah, I mean, I think this is happening in certain um, institutions, right? But I think there's this movement away from alumni engagement just through social events, right, or opportunities to bring people together for affinity and really thinking about how to create value and meaning in those interactions, particularly post-pandemic, right, when people are maybe rethinking their willingness to travel or their willingness to be in space with others and their time and so on. 
So I think creating those, and it is possible to create these experiences virtually. It's probably worth noting, I work from a home office and I have for two years, (laughs) I lead a fully remote team. And I think the remote culture that we have at TFA is amazing and incredible. So I think the way that you can facilitate some of those experiences, you know, for us, we decide, and of course, you can do it yourself or with a partner, for us doing it with a partner to solve a problem, which is this idea of feeling in that particular example, the fellowship I mentioned, it was really to help people get unstuck in their careers. So finding something that is, I think, relatable and easily identifiable that your network might want to be a part of. And then providing really clear outcomes up front. We also found that that was incredibly important in our research when we were thinking about facilitating programs and offerings for our alumni. We learned that they were far more likely to engage if it was really clear up front what the outcome was going to be. So I think if you're wanting to create these spaces, designing your programs around something that people are experiencing, maybe something that meets the moment, right? Like we launched our program during the Great Resignation to really kind of meet a moment in time. And then just being really clear and succinct about what people are going to get out of that experience, I think is really important. And then bringing people together and having the experience and then measuring as an outcome, some of that connectivity and and whether that added value, I think, is what I would recommend. Okay. Yeah, that's great advice. In general, you've offered a ton of advice already in this episode, but um, (laughs) is there anything else, any other strategies that you would recommend career services use to better support alumni? Yeah. I mean, I just want to say up front, I think that this is For a lot of career centers, this is challenging, right? Because we know that I think this year there was a bump in investment um, across the board. I think I just saw some data on that. But by and large, most career centers are not the most well-resourced on campus, right? We know that. And so it can be, I remember being, I have been a one-person office, right? I remember being in that position of feeling overwhelmed by the real needs of thousands of currently enrolled students and then tens of thousands of alumni. And so I don't think it's realistic to just suddenly say, well, we're going to just start serving alumni with no interrogation of your resources and your ability to do that. So if I was to offer um, any advice, I would say probably it's important to start by thinking about what can you deliver in a way that is scalable, but not adding a ton of labor, right, to your team. And I do think there are ways to do that. I mentioned, you know, partnering with organizations that specialize in some of the things that maybe your team doesn't, doing revenue share agreements with some partners in those spaces that can facilitate some of those programs. And then again, you know, collaborating with your alumni engagement team, because I think they're really tapped into what alumni are saying um, and what they need. And beyond that, you know, even if you were wanting to start really small, just thinking, you know, career centers often are present at the front end of the student experience. You know, we go to new student orientation, we're part of matriculation and some of those experiences. So thinking also about how could we be part of some of those alumni experiences, whether it's homecomings or some of the events that your university is hosting, just not necessarily to be there to provide a service but to network and to hear from alum about what might be most of value, I think is maybe those are some places probably to start. Right. It's about reminding them that 
the Career Center exists, that it's still here to help you. Mm -hmm. Okay. I would think that probably another strategy that a career center could use is if they have, for example, they do have like the Uconnect Virtual Career Center for current students, there's lots of ways you could adapt that to offer support for alumni, create communities like you all are doing specific to alumni. Like I know when I first started working here and saw what the platform could do and especially saw our uh, labor market insights module that will show you like compensation data. I was thinking as an alumna, that information would be super helpful if I ever need to negotiate a salary, either in a current role or in a new role. Like that would be just a little thing, but it's Mm -hmm. a resource that current students and alumni could both use. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, now that you say that, made me think of some of the things (laughs) we're tackling in phase three, and that is one of them. We do have the labor insights tool. And right now, you know, in the first, at the MVP launch, we embedded it into some of our community pages. We're actually going to restructure that as we're going to name it as an alumni benefit, right? Because it is a, it is a benefit, right? Being able to go in and to get that data so quickly and easily is an incredible benefit. So we are going to recharacter or characterize that differently and really help people understand when they see that, what it is and how to leverage it. And that would be an example of something that's scalable, but isn't going to require a lot of labor from your team. Another thing I think that's really helpful to leverage is the people widget on the platform. So on our platform, the way we've decided to use that is actually as a connectivity tool and a way for alumni to put themselves out there, right? And so we actually invited our alum to opt in to that, to be featured there. And we uh, have seen just a tremendous amount of interest. And it's a way, I think, to not just like feature your alumni, right? But to also show or help alumni meet each other. And so that's another way that we're leveraging that. So yeah, I think thinking more about the digital tools that you have and how can they be expanded or even edited in some ways to be like an alumni version? All of that, I think, could be done pretty easily. And it's, I think it's easy to underestimate the value of things that we might take for granted to someone else, right? And so, yeah, I think that, I think that's great. Monica, I'm curious with this work that you're doing, like it's clear that there's a lot of transferable skills. There's a lot of overlap between your time in higher ed career services and now your work for Teach for America. But there's also a lot that's different and that's new. So I'm curious, what would you say about these types of roles emerging in other fields like outside of higher ed? Yeah, I I mean, I'd say, first of all, I think it's so exciting, right? And I loved working in higher ed. I love higher ed. I think I'll probably eventually find my way back. But even in this work, you know, being able to still contribute to, I think most of us who do this kind of work, you know, we do it because we're very mission driven to help people achieve their goals, right? Achieve their dreams and find success, whatever that means to them. And so being able to do that in perhaps a wide variety of contexts, I think is really amazing. I do think, you know, as I alluded to earlier, that there are going to be more and more organizations. You know, we're kind of interesting because we're kind of on the periphery of education. Like we work directly in education, but we're not an education provider. So we work in ways that are highly intersectional with education. So there's a lot of overlap. And certainly there are a lot of organizations that do that, right? There are a lot of nonprofits that work on equity in education, uh, college access and things like that. So 
not just in those types of fields, but also I think in the private sector and other organizations, I think there's just going to continue to be a need to engage people in their career development, right? Whether that's internal, like you come into an organization and you get on a career development pathway so that you have a long career with that organization, or I mentioned earlier that boomerang phenomenon. So I would say people who work in this field, think about how your skills are transferable, but also think about how you could partner with those organizations. You know, one of the things I'm thinking about moving forward, I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of graduate school partners. I'm meeting with one this afternoon, right after this meeting. (laughs) And I really love the thought partnership with our higher ed partners on how to engage our network. And one of the ways, one of the opportunities that I see that I've been thinking about is How do we find those alum that are their alum and our alum, right? We have lots of alum that then go into that institution and earn a master's degree. And now they're sort of like dual alum. And how do we work together to engage them? You know, I mentioned earlier that those opportunities to think about some of your highest priority employer partners that might hire a ton of your graduates, those graduates become your alumni and potentially their alumni. And so I think there's just so like, certainly I don't have all the answers. Like these are just things that really spark a lot of energy for me. And I would just say, you know, this is something that I think is going to continue to evolve and change. It's been a fun journey. (laughs) Yeah, and an interesting one too. I think these trends and kind of what you're talking about in that career development is happening in a a variety of ways. It just plays into this whole concept of career everywhere. 100%. It's everywhere. It's in nonprofits. It's in companies. It's in higher ed. Mm -hmm. And it's all part of this larger ecosystem Mm -hmm. of trying to connect people to meaningful work. Yeah, and really doing it in ways that are as equitable as possible, you know, constantly trying to improve these systems of of equity and access across. uh, It's also intersectional, right? Like access to education, access to career opportunity, and thinking broadly about where we can add value uh, and kind of plug in to those different places, I think is an exciting way. It's it's an exciting evolution, I think, in the field uh, more broadly of career services or career development. Yeah, agreed. I'm excited to watch the evolution. Yeah. Well, Monica, is there anything else you would like to add about our topic today about supporting and engaging alumni? Uh, no, just say, you know, again, like I don't necessarily, I've been doing this work now for a couple of years. <laughs> I don't necessarily consider myself an expert. I'm still building my learning and understanding. And I would love to hear from anyone in the network that is also working with alumni. I know there are so many institutions that are doing incredible work in this space. Would love to, to hear from them and thought partner with them as well. And so if anyone would like to reach out, I always uh, welcome folks to connect with me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to do that. And, you know, would love to stay in touch. All right. And for anyone while watching or listening, I'll be sure to include a link to Monica's LinkedIn and then also to the alumni hub that she mentioned earlier in the episode. So you can go check that out if you want. All right. So Monica, I'm going to close this out with uh, this answer a question, leave a question thing that I do at the end of every episode. So I'll ask you a question that our last guest left for you, and then you will leave a question for the next guest. So the last guest was Leonel Thompson of Williams. She wanted to know what your entrance song would be. Like if you were a baseball player getting up to bat, or you were about to be introduced for a public speaking gig, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So 
you shared this with me briefly before we connected today. And I, I think I shared with you, like, this is probably going to be the hardest question for me to answer. uh, Because (laughs) I cannot like, I'm so athletically challenged, I can't even like, envision myself coming out to (laughs) any kind of a song. Um, And even though I do a lot of public speaking, I always get so so nervous ahead of time. So it's hard for me to think about it. I'll just say so I'll like, I'll tweak the question a little bit. I'll just talk about my favorite, a new album that just the new Ellie Golding album came out mm-hmm. recently. And I've just like been listening to that on repeat and repeat and repeat. So when you first said this, I was like thinking about the different songs on that album. But yeah, I don't know. I think I would prefer <laughs> no entrance song. It's a little too much for me. But um, yeah, <laughs> that's not really directly <laughs> maybe answering the question. But yeah, no, no, that's great. Maybe it's not an entrance song. It's like, you're listening to the whole album, hyping yourself up before the pipe yeah. public speaking game. Yeah, like, like, walk- you've got your headphones yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> just walking around. Yeah, getting getting excited. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Love it. So what's a question you would like to leave for the next guest? So a question that I love to ask, especially people in this profession, is what did you want to be when you were six years old, uh, when you grew up? And, you know, how different is that from where you are now? I always love to ask that. Oh, that's a good one. I'm excited to hear the answer to that one because (laughs) I feel like, I mean, no one got a degree in career services. Most people didn't necessarily know that that's what they wanted to do until maybe they got to college themselves. Yeah, 100%. Definitely was my story. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, I'm excited to ask that of the next guest. Monica, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. This was a really fun conversation and it's great to get another perspective on the podcast. So just thank you for sharing your time today. Of course. Yes. Thank you for having me. And I didn't mention this earlier, but another thing I'll just offer to this audience is if anyone's curious about TFA at all for your students or our Ignite Fellowship, that please feel free to reach out to me. I'm always happy to to make those connections as well. There you go. You heard it here. All right. Well, thank you again, Monica. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Career Everywhere. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.